0: Last Sunday, we looked at the first part or the first lesson in Psalm 122, and we were dealing with the house of the Lord. But if you read the psalm, in fact, I ask your attention there right now, turn to Psalm 122. If you read the psalm, you will see that there are two things happening there. There was the invitation that was given to go to the house of the Lord, and how the 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 giver of the invitation spoke to our celebration in church that we want others to share. The one that was invited was glad because it resonated with them and some of the, the things that happened there. But as I studied this text, what was interesting to me was the place that it was given, that it has been given to Jerusalem. So I titled the message this morning, What's So Great About Jerusalem? Look at verse 2 of this text. If we understand what is happening from verse 2 to the end, verse 2 is they, are, they have arrived. They have arrived to the place that they have been wanting, uh, traveling some hundreds of miles to get to. Our feet are standing in you, Jerusalem. And I'm going to tell you now, if you have never been to Jerusalem, that will not mean much to you. Believe me, it won't. I remember when Lois and I stepped on the soil in that part of the world. I looked at my wife and I said, this is where it all began. And there was a certain sense I never thought it would happen to me because I'm not one given to that. But to set your feet in Jerusalem for these people would be like, if you please, going to New York. Have you been to New York and have you ever heard about Wall Street? You know why it's called Wall Street? Because that's about all it is. walls, the buildings. You can't even see the sun shining. And, And I remember driving down Wall Street and I thought, wow, I'm in New York. I remember doing the same thing in London. Wow. When I was a child, we coming from a British country, we studied what I was about to see, what I was about to hear. Well, to these people coming from the, the countries around, the, the laying around the, 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 the way the land laid, it was something for them to get to Jerusalem. When they said, Our feet are standing in your midst, O Jerusalem. It was a sense of excitement. There was a sense of expectation. There was a sense that that something will happen because we're doing what God has called us to do. And and so as we come to this sense of Jerusalem, uh, you know, when I became a a Christian, I would hear anti-Semitic phrases from Christians and I couldn't understand that. And, And you will see why. Uh, this morning, if you have um, heard that kind of expression. And what I want to do this morning is take you through a history of Jerusalem, how the city is, what the city is all about, and apply that to our Christian life and to the Church of Jesus Christ in a whole. Let me begin, first of all, with looking at the structure of Jerusalem. The structure. And in the structure, we'll look at the history. The history. And I, this is one of those messages that I depend upon the scholars. I mean, I have read and have spent time and prayer reading some of the great spiritual minds of the past and the present. And, and this is what thrilled my soul as I, as I studied this text the history of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is one of the oldest city in the world. The oldest city in the world. Its first mention in literature dates back to 1450 B.C. 1450 B.C. That means that we are looking at a city that has been in existence for over 4,000 years. <laughs> I, I, again, I remember uh, Lois and I being carried uh, along with 42 other people from Canada who were visiting um, Jerusalem for two weeks or Israel for two weeks. Um, we were talking about, the, 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 car, the guard would ask us, um, how old is your country? And, and, and that time in Canada was only a uh, hundred years old. And, and he looked at us and, and he said, my word, we don't, we don't look at anything that's under a thousand years old. <laughs> this, this city has a history that goes beyond our imagination. Before its common name, Jerusalem, it belonged to a group of people known as the Jebusites. The Jebusites, and in fact, that's, you hear, Je, Je Jebu. The, when, when David changed the Jebu, as it was called, he simply put the two words together and called it Jerusalem, city of peace. It's interesting because he won it by war. And and, and, and what David was 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 doing, he did not even understand, as you will see in a moment. When, so when David um, won the city, it, it became, the, he renamed that Jerusalem, the city of peace. But the city was not only the city of peace. Later on, when David is bringing the ark back from, in the possession of the Philistines, he takes it to Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And at that time made Jerusalem the old city to be the center of worship for the people of God. And so people have been going to that city for over a thousand years doing what David and others did before David himself. I can give you a lot more but that would mean being here for the rest of the day and we won't be able to get to McDowell Creek tonight. The history, a rich, rich history. In fact, when uh, um, Warren was playing, I had to keep myself from not thinking fiddle in the roof. <laughs> you know, you could hear that, that, that Jewish sound in the way that the, this piece was written, and that, that, that is it. So, that is a little bit of the history. I don't want to spend so much time there. I want to spend more time in what I call the topography, the topography Of Jerusalem. You know what the topography is? It is the description of a surface that features a place or a region. It could be a city or a region. Scholars tell us that that most cities are blessed with strategic locations, natural resources. Jerusalem has none of that. The most important thing to Jerusalem is, is water, even up to this day. Again, allow me to say when Lois and I were there, one of the joys we had in the news part of Jerusalem was a water fountain. And that water fountain was designed by a fellow who attended the church that I was pastoring in Toronto. So when, and he wasn't able to, to get to Jerusalem when the, the fountain was being uh, dedicated, and he asked us to take pictures of it and bring it back to him and what a joy that was and so David now wins this city Jerub from the Canaanites, from the Jebusites and he renames the city Jerusalem I want you to give me your undivided attention because this blew my mind as I studied this Jerusalem Jerusalem is held between three valleys, valleys that you know about, that you heard, the valley Kidron Valley, the Hinnom Valley, and the Tyrophean Valley. These three valleys make up Jerusalem, where it is sitting. If you take, you look at a map, and you look at the setting of these three valleys, it will give you a shape like a, like, like a, an upside-down W or something, or a V with a line going this way. Now this describes what is the 21st letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Sheen, S-H-E-E-N. If you look in a Hebrew dictionary you'll see that the Sheen talks about this. When God took David and gave him the city, David had no idea of that city because several, several years before, the Jewish people used the word Sheen, Sheen, for the sacred name of God, Yahweh, from which we get our word, Jehovah. Please listen now. When you take a line and draw it around the three valleys, it comes exactly like this le- this figure, Sheehan, that I'm showing you the sacred name of God. And when God took David there, you'll find this in 1 Kings eleven thirteen. God said to David, this is the place where I have put my name. Shein is the sacred name that was used for God. And God said to David, I have put my name there. You take the two valleys here and the one valley here and they form the word Shein. And God said to David, I have put my name there. So that Jerusalem is not an ordinary city. Jerusalem is a city that has actually, when the psalmist said the city is built in a compact way, he he, he had no idea what he was saying. He had no idea that long before they occupied that place, God had singled out, made the, the, the configuration of that, that the, those three valleys in that way so that it would reflect his sacred name without knowing it. The author from which I get this said he was on a tour in, in Jerusalem. And his tour guide was showing him, as they want to do, the structure of the city. And he showed him these three valleys. And the guy said to the, to the, to the guy that was showing him around, can I say something? Can I show you something? He said, yes. You know, if, if the Jewish guy, the, the Jewish Um, God is showing you around what can you tell him about Jerusalem that he doesn't know and he drew for him the structure, the topography of the city and the Jewish guy said, Sheen God's holy name he didn't know that David didn't know that You and I today have been given the privilege of having all the equipment whereby we can see what God was doing before you and I were born in a place that has become the center of the world. You will see more of this later on. Listen to what God says, how God put it. But to his son God said to David, I will give one tribe one tribe, that is the tribe of Judah, to my servant David from which the Messiah would come so that David may have a lamp always. Solomon failed. Absalom failed. All the other Jewish sons failed. But the one son that will never fail is Jesus. There will always be the center. Even though the Jews are rejecting him today, they cannot get away from the fact that when Jesus came, revelation came to Jerusalem that they never expected. So God said, there will always before me be in Jerusalem the city where I have chosen it for myself to put my name there. So, you think of Britain, You think of the lion. Hmm. You think of Russia. You think of the bear. You think of Canada. Think of the beaver. You think of Jerusalem. Think of God. That's why when they were in captivity, they said, how can we sing the song of Zion, which was another name for Jerusalem. When we are in a strange place, and if we forget you, Jerusalem, may our right hand be cut off from us. The Jews had such a, a, a concept of the sacredness of that city, not knowing what all was going Unless you go to 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 um, um, Chronicles, you will not find this in present day newspaper. It's only in the Bible. That when the city was formed, God put His name there. Keep that in mind, please. So, let's look at the significance then. If God put His name there, it has to be very significant. It can't be just a place that's there for the sake of it. And, and may I just run ahead of myself to say this? You and I have significance because we were made in the image of God that is what gives us significance nothing else not our wealth not our pigmentation nothing we have significance because God made us in his image so let's look at the significance of the city then it is a city with divine acknowledgement Psalm 87 verses 2 to 5 Psalm 87 2 to 5 the Lord loves the gates of Zion, another name for Jerusalem, more than all the places of Jacob. In Isaiah 42 1432, thir- uh, thir- uh, it says that the Lord has founded, founded the city, His city, the city of God. What is said about Jerusalem is not said about any other city in the world. again and again describes a place where God is present, where God is at work, and because God is at work, it shows that the significance of it is that Jerusalem is a city not on its own. My friends, you might be asking questions like this. If that is true, why have there been so many problems in Jerusalem? The Bible has the answer for that as well. Because when God delivered them from Egypt, they became like the nations outside of them instead of responding to what God said to them. Again, our experience in Jerusalem. One of the nights that we were there, we had the ambassador from Canada speaking to us. And I'll never forget him saying this. Why has our country had so many difficulties? <laughs> and I sat there and I said, Mister, you've never read your Bible. If, if you read Deuteronomy 28 and 29, God said, I put life and death before you. If you choose life, you'll prosper. If you choose death, you will not. And may I tell you something? One of the biggest discoveries I had in Jerusalem was that not many many Jews have any kind of religious concerns. The majority of them are called social Jews. But all they're concerned about is what they can do. In, in fact, we were, we were in a hot tub. <laughs> yes, I was in a hot tub. <laughs> we had just taken a dip in the Dead Sea. And the hot tub and the... the everything was there for us to rinse off because it's salty. I mean, just salty. We were sitting down in, uh, in this hot tub and, and it, was, it was the Sabbath and the Jews are supposed to be in, uh, in the synagogue on Saturday, but this couple of them were not. And so a fellow from Calgary and myself were in the pool sitting down talking and the guy looked over us and said to us, are you Muslims? We're Christians. Oh, he said, I believe in God. Uh, Believe in the Ten Commandments, I'm sorry. Believe in the Ten Commandments. I said, that's really neat. I said, do you believe in Jesus? And he got so angry at us, he could have choked us. While they will take all the Christians coming to the country to spend money, and they love it when Christians come. And they will have, they will have uh, go, um, pe- leads, leaders who take us through the city and show us tremendous things, as we'll hear in a few minutes. Yet when it comes to their religious and spiritual concern, they are not there at all. They're not there at all. So, listen to what is said about Jerusalem. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of God. In His holy mountain, beautiful for elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion or Jerusalem. The joy of the whole earth. This is Psalm 48, verses 2 and 3. The city of the great king, not David, but King Jesus. He's coming and He's going to rule there. Because in end times when Jesus comes, he will put His foot on Mount olives and He will reign and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. That's coming. The Bible predicts it. Listen to God's concern for Jerusalem. Isaiah 62 verses 6 and 7. This is what God is telling Isaiah to tell the people. I have set watchmen on your walls. And by the way... I thought of that. Setting a wall around a place is not new to God. It's only new to Washington. You know, someone wants to build a wall around the states to keep vultures from coming in. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. Please listen to this. Who shall never hold their peace day or night You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. The way in which the city was preserved was God put watchmen who prayed to God day and night. They never gave God rest. They called to God morning, noon, night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. And give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise on the earth. No city in the world can claim what this one can, that God divinely acknowledged it. It's a city of divine assignment. A city of divine assignment. Look at verse 5 in our text. For there, Jerusalem, thrones were set for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. I could have gone through a whole lot here, but listen, judgment speaks of justice. Judgment speaks of moral purity, moral equity, ethical behavior. Where do we get that, friends? We get that from a Ten words as it is in the Hebrew, called the Ten Commandments. The judgment for Jerusalem came from God. God gave them an assignment. For what great nations, Deuteronomy 4, 7, and 8. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason we may call upon him. I I love this. For whatever reason we, we may call upon him. When President Reagan was alive and was visiting Jerusalem, and he was talking with Menachem Begin, who was the Prime Minister of Britain at that time. They were talking. Reagan was telling the Prime Minister that they pray all the time in America. And the Prime Minister, which was quite an interesting man, Looked at the president of the united states and he said mr president when you pray in america that's a long distance call when we pray in jerusalem it's a local call god said i will put my name there talks of his presence talks of divine activities and the assignment the assignment that is given to Israel became a model for all the world. And no country in the world, as I speak to you this morning, no country in the world that desires to be morally upright has laws that are not based upon the Ten Commandments. America began to go in a different direction when they decided that the Ten Commandments were no longer necessary in our public buildings. Please listen. Again, I can't go into all this. You have heard of Manasseh, the king of Israel, who reigned for almost 30 or 35 years, if not more. The only only thing he left back in history is that he was the most wicked king that Israel ever, ever saw. His son, Josiah, took over. And he started to bring revival, if you please, in Israel. You know when the revival started? Josiah sent some messengers to fix the house of God. And while they were fixing the house of God, guess what they discovered? The law. The book. The commandments. they are For all the years that Manasseh ruled Israel, he never, never did anything but what was contrary to what God had given to the nation. And the nation lived in agony. Josiah brought revival when the word of God was proclaimed to the city to which it was given. The tragedy of this, my friends, the tragedy of this, if you please, the word of God was lost in the church. The word of God was lost in the church. That's what's happening today. Churches that are, that are, that are contrary, plain teaching of scripture are rejected so that we are able to give sanction to what God condemns. Uh, someone has said so rightly, you can tell when a country is going through a sexual revolution. Here are three ways you know when a country is going through sexual revolution. Number one, what was condemned is now celebrated. Number two, what was once celebrated is now condemned. Number three, if you disagree, you are condemned. That's what's happening. We cannot even... And I'm talking personally now. We cannot even talk to some who are close to us when it comes to this whole business that's going on in the world today. We can't say anything. Immediately there's a tag. Something prefixed by phobia. Whatever that phobia might be. But Josiah was willing To make that word, he realized the history of this nation and that this nation prospered when the word of God was adhered to by those who were leading the country, even in the secular areas. See, Jerusalem is a theocracy. A theocracy is where God leads in every area of the church. That is not happening now. The only theocracy in the world is in the church. That is why Jesus said, you and I are to live like lights in the world and let our lights so shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify God in heaven. The city had a divine assignment, and there are many today, many today in history that believe that America was an assignment given to this country, and we are squandering it. Think in places of the south. Children are not allowed to call their father, father, or their mother, mother. They must be addressed as parent one and parent two. That's in this country. In my own Canada, if what I say from the pulpit on Sunday is reported to the government on Monday, I could be in trouble. The prime minister of our country was in the eastern part of the country Yesterday, celebrating and marching with the gay pride parade, as he calls it, never takes part in anything else, but this he can. A city with a divine assignment. May I just make one, and one point here, friends: as a church, we are here with a divine assignment. The assignment is to preserve the truth. God has made the church the preserver, the proclaimer of truth. And when the world no longer hears prophetically what God is saying, it develops its own behavior, its own principles, and it begins to call right wrong and wrong right. So we see Jerusalem is a city with divine acknowledgement. God said, I will put my name there, it is the center of the universe, as far as God is concerned. It's called the city of God. Glorious things are spoken of by God of Jerusalem. It is a city of divine assignment. They do not rule according to the nations around them. But Jerusalem, my friends, is also a city needing divine affection. Please listen. Luke 19:24. It was the evening of what we call Palm Sunday and the noise in the city so deafening that it was like an earthquake when people were celebrating the fact that the king of the Jews was marching into the city. Please listen, Luke 19. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Who is he? Jesus, Jesus saw this city where God had his name now being trampled on. Jesus saw not only what the the, the city was doing, but what would happen to the city. Coming Coming out of the temple one day, the disciples said to Jesus, Look at this beautiful structure. Look at all the way the stones are. And Jesus with tears streaming down his face said, Do you see all the stones? Not one stone of these will be left in a short time. And in A.D. 70, Rome went into Jerusalem and leveled the city. Jesus wept because of what the city was doing. Jesus wept because of what was ahead for the city. And if Jesus, my friends, if Jesus can weep for a city... I haven't wept once for my brother who's not a believer. I pray for him regularly but I haven't let tears flow down my cheeks saying to God oh God please save my brother. Like Paul said in in, in Romans chapter 10 "I, I, I weep for my brothers if I could give myself in their place for them to know my salvation which was impossible. What about the church? Do we have my friends any concern for lost people? A lost son? A lost daughter? A lost community? You know, I look sometimes I, I was driving the other day and I looked, this guy had a a sign, <laughs> and his sign read, Need a beer. I thought, mister, you need a lot more than that. I don't mean it rudely. When you have lost your shame to sit at the corner of a road and ask hard-working people to give you money to buy beer, my friend, something is wrong. Something is wrong. And we need, before we criticize them, we need to weep for them. I'm talking to myself here. Because I'm a ten- my tendency... Is to just drive by them. My tendencies want to say, "Why do not you get a job?" That's not. That's not. My, that should never be my first response. When Jesus saw Jerusalem and knew what was ahead for them, my friends, people without Jesus Christ—if they die in that condition, my Bible says they—they they are destiny for hell. That's what the Bible says. I don't choose to say it because I'm morbid. I'm saying it because the Bible teaches it. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God has not life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And my friend, if that doesn't bring tears to your eyes and mine, something is wrong. When Jesus saw the city, it needed his affection before. It's condemnation. Lastly, let's look at the supplication for Jerusalem. Supplication for Jerusalem, verses 6 to 9. May I just read it, please? Following your Bibles. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will now say... May peace be within you, Jerusalem. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Three areas for which to pray for Jerusalem, which applies to you and me this morning. One, the invitation. The invitation. Pray. The psalmist looked at the beautiful city of Jerusalem at the time. And for some reason, perhaps he could have been remembering Manasseh, I don't know. Or some of the false prophets, but he said, pray for this city. Listen, if a city is prosperous, it's because God has been gracious to it. If a city is not prospering, it could be that that city... Is rejecting God because the nations that forget God will perish, says the Bible. To ask is to request, it is to have a sense of agony. It is to say, like some of the old preachers used to say in their prayers for their city Oh God, give me this city or I die. It's not a broken record, my friends, when we ask you to pray. Because even Jesus did not see himself getting through Gethsemane and Calvary without prayers. And yet for many of us, we go night and day, night and day, days and weeks, days and weeks without praying. And the sheer grace of God that we do not see more of what God has promised to those who ask of him. The scripture says when we ask with this sense of urgency... God gives to us more than we can even ask or think. The invitation. Men not always to pray. Oh, dear friends, I don't know if you listen to areas where I listen. I listen not so much to what the news anchor has to say. I listen to what is happening in the world. And you know, what are the things I'm finding out right now, and please don't tell me, they used to have this before, but it's only because we have more information. No. One of the things I'm finding out, today as I never knew in my life is the absolute antagonism between parents to their children and children to their parents the Bible says that would happen by the way a son who kills his mother and takes her head into a restaurant in in, in Portland a son who mutilated his father not too long ago and on and on and on it goes Pray. Pray. That's the answer. Jesus did not weep because of the economic condition of Jerusalem. He did not weep because, Lord, because the, 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 the city was beginning to lose some of its lust. You know, when you go into Toronto, if you fly into Toronto, the first thing you're going to see is that big CN Tower standing up there where you, you go to the top and at a good clear night, you could see all the way over to Buffalo, New York. And we have done that. And when I remember when it was being built, everyone thought, this is going to give Toronto a name. And I'm going to tell you, friends, we have forgotten CN Tower now, but you know what Toronto is dealing with now today? Almost every day, killing, murders, and rapes. Pray. Pray. I just... I told my class this morning, if you're listening to the news this morning, in Texas this morning, uh, uh, um, a trailer was found in a parking lot of, uh, of um, a Walmart. Eight people dead in it. One person got out, ran inside and asked for some water because they were suffocating in there. Somebody was doing human trafficking. And those eight people were dead. Pray. Pray. I have nothing else to say to you. If we fail to pray, we are embracing death. Secondly, look at the ingredients of prayer. Three things, very quickly. Pray for the external needs of Jerusalem. You remember what God said to to Abraham? Those who love you I will bless. And look at the history of this country. Until the last eight years... Israel was one of the central relationship that this country has had. In the last eight years, it just went down the pipe. Pray for the external needs, for the peace of the city. The city that is known, (laughs) the city that is known as the city of peace. Listen, there have been 40 wars in Israel. 40. Not a country has had that there has been 18 destruction and rebuilding of Jerusalem. Countries after country after country have tried to occupy this little piece of a land. I think no, the whole country not bigger than New Jersey. Surrounded by enemies. And the one passion of the enemies of Jerusalem, you know what it is? To totally... Drive them into the sea. And they have lived in, in that tension for over 4,000 years. And how is it that this city is destroyed and built again? Destroy and built again. You know why? God said, I will put my name there. Better than New York, better than Toronto, better than London. The city of God has the name of God upon which it is built. And listen, no one can destroy him. Exactly the same way. No one will be able to destroy the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It will try. In 1949, in 1949, when all the missionaries were kicked out of China, the world wept because they thought, what will happen now? If there are no Christians in China, what they meant by that were no Western Christians. Because there were Chinese Christians. In 1949, every foreign missionary was kicked out. Today, there are more Christians in China than in any other country in the world. Why? Because they were able to preserve the church with the world. It is indestructible when it is built upon God's truth. What is ironic about this city and its name is just what I have said to you. Every nation surrounding Jerusalem. I remember after the walls were brought down in in the 1967 war, Moshe Dayan was the mastermind behind the whole war that got Israel into into portion of, of the country that was occupied by Jordan for years and years and years. And I remember The man who was leading us took us around there, and he had us walk very gingerly because there are still pathways of landmines that are still there. And so we had to be careful where we were walking. And someone asked Moshe Dayan, General, how were you able to get behind the lines because what they had to do, if they went this way, they would be facing the Jordanian army, and they would be annihilated. They'd be sitting ducks. But he was able to get around them and surprise them from the back, and they didn't know what hit them. And someone asked Moshe Dayan, how did you come up with that strategy? You know what he said? I read my Bible. I read my, the structure, my friends, the way the land was structured, God knew beforehand what would happen in, 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 in 1967? And he led that man because his name is there. And even though it might be raised to the ground, it will not be totally destroyed. God said there will always be a man on the throne for Jerusalem. And he might not be there now, my friends, but the day is coming when he will be there forever. The external need. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Secondly, the internal needs. Look at verses 7 and 8. In the 7 and 8 it says, May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. What he's concerned there, my friends, is that in the interpersonal relationship of the Jewish people, because remember that they always had conflicts and fights and so on. Read 1 Kings and 2 Kings and 1 and 2 Chronicles and you will find conflicts, conflicts, conflicts. And so the psalmist is saying, Pray for the internal needs. Because if you have peace, you have prosperity. In fact, both words are almost the same in the Hebrew. If you have prosperity, the kind of prosperity that begins with the inner soul, you will have peace. But you will not be able to have it if all you want is the tangible without the intangible, which is that which comes from God. Relationship among the Jews. We'll look at this more when we get... To Psalm 133 how beautiful it is for brothers to dwell together in unity where there is not unity my friends the devil is at present doing his work pray for the internal needs of, of, of Jerusalem and again you know it's interesting I couldn't tell the last day I prayed I pray for Jerusalem I really do but I don't pray this way for its peace I pray in other ways. And this text says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem because those who love you will also have peace. Thirdly, pray for the spiritual need of Jerusalem. For the sake of the house of the Lord, as the city cannot prosper without its spiritual source, neither can the world without the church. And the psalmist is asking, that if you value the place where you go to worship, Jerusalem. Remember that Jerusalem is not only a city set on a hill, but Jerusalem is a place where God's name is, and He has built His witness there. History shows that. Just as the church is a witness in the world, but if those who make up the church are not, delighted in the church if if you or i are critical about the place where we go to worship nobody in the world will want to come where we are listen to what the psalmist says for the sake of the house of god i will seek your good oh my friends we have vbs tomorrow morning i ask you to spend the week praying praying for the spiritual needs of those children As we come together week after week, pray for the good of the house. That when we come together, we will not come to clash. We will come to celebrate. We'll come to commune. And we'll come to give glory to God. So what's so special about Jerusalem? God has claimed it for himself. He has put his signature there. And he asks us to pray for it. Will you join me? <clears throat> Father, you heard my prayer when I was preparing. I said, this is going to be like a classroom. But this is not a classroom. This is your word. And I pray that the application from your word may have reached some heart in this place this morning. We, we value our health We value our homes. We value our family. But do we see God as the source of them all? Do we pray for the good of the house of the Lord? Do we seek peace and communion with our brothers and our sisters? May Soderville Church meet that description this morning. And as we have looked at Jerusalem, may we gain lessons that will help us, our God, to stand, having done all to stand.